You're listening to the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel, part of AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Welcome to the AUKUS Young Arthroplasty Group podcast, The Augment. My name is Jesse Wolfset, and I'm an academic surgeon at Mount Sinai Hospital and the University of Toronto. And I'm Jenna Bernstein, a private practice hip and knee surgeon with Connecticut Orthopedics. It's our pleasure to welcome our wonderful AUKUS staff members to discuss the planning and execution of the incredible AUKUS annual meeting. With us, we have Josh Kerr, Deputy Executive Director, Renalyn Malvarletta, Senior Director of Events and Operations, Sigita Wolf, Senior Director of Education and Science, and Jeff Mitchell, Director of Marketing and Corporate Relations. So before we start grilling you guys with the hot questions, if you wouldn't mind just each of us telling us your role at AUKUS and how you came to the position you're currently in, because everyone in the organization probably knows your name, but not necessarily what you're doing on the day-to-day. Thank you for having us. So I'm Deputy Executive Director. That includes our advocacy, international work, practice management, and then, of course, working with the Young Arthroplasty Group. Uh, I came to AUKUS. I used to work with Mike Zarsky at his previous job, and he lured me over to sort of build the international program at AUKUS, and we went from there. Thank you. Awesome. I didn't know that. Thanks, Josh. Maybe we'll go to Renalyn next. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for having us. Hi, my name is Renalyn Malvarleta. I am the Senior Director of Events and Operations at AUKUS, going on my seven and a half years now, I believe. And fun fact, I actually applied for a different position for a different organization in the building. And long story short, I ended up at AUKUS and haven't left since. And for my role, it's a little bit of everything. So primarily events, uh, our annual meeting, our spring meeting, our legislative retreat, whatever we have, our leadership retreat. Uh, I also work very closely with our board of directors and our committee leaders and overall operations of our office in Rosemont. So you're doing everything is what you're saying. A little bit of everything. I'm, I'm in everyone's business. Perfect. <laughs> Me too, actually. Jeff, how about you? Hi, I'm Jeff Mitchell. I'm the Director of Marketing and Corporate Relations. I've been in the association world for medical, dental, all sorts of associations for about 30 years and came to AUKUS five years ago. My role is split personalities. I do marketing. I'm the person that has to get the folks to the meeting and market to them and let them know what's going to happen and keep pushing out all those hundreds of emails that you guys get in advance of the meeting, as well as sell the booths, fill the show floor, get the sponsorship, fund the specialty events for the different groups like Women in Arthroplasty and Young Arthroplasty Group and Diversity Advisory Board and find funding for all of that. And yeah, that's a full-time job. Well, Jeff, I promised me and Jesse read every email you send. (laughs) All right. And finally, Sagita. Hi, so my role is Senior Director of Education and Science with ARCAS, and in about a week, it's going to be eight years that I've been with the organization. It seems more like eight weeks because, you know, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. So I was recruited by Mike Zarsky for this role to the organization, and I came from American Board of Medical Specialties, where I was in a direct role overseeing education in the Research and Education Foundation. Prior to that, I was with a community hospital in Chicago suburbs, 
again doing education and research. So, you know, today I bring 18 years of combined experience in education and my role here with education and science covers about anything and everything, education, annual meetings, spring meetings, webinars, on-demand activities that we feature on our Learn platform, accreditation for our educational offerings, fellowship match program, and odds and ends. And then on the science side, I manage the quality measures as well as evidence-based medicine committees and the projects that come out of, of those groups. Amazing. Okay, well, yeah, I was just going to say everyone sounds very busy. <laughs> yeah. We can't thank you all enough for everything you do to, to help run the organization and put on such a successful annual meeting and, and spring meetings and everything you do for us. Sagita, I think, I think maybe we'll stick with you. And I just want to ask you a little bit about the academic portion of the meeting. I believe there are over 2,000 abstracts submitted this year to the annual meeting. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about organizing the abstracts for review and who is involved in the review process? Sure, I'm happy to. So it's true that yeah, this year we received just over 2,000 abstract submissions, and this is a record number to date, you know, over the eight years that, you know, I've been with the organization that was progressively more climbing from, you know, 1,000 all the way to 2,000 and over. And several years ago, we built an abstract submission management system in-house with our own IT consulting development, which we've since been improving and upgrading each year. So this platform does allow us to solicit the submissions for both uh, abstracts as well as symposia and get them organized uh, and sort of, you know, help us figure out the content that we eventually see in our annual meeting program. So submission side typically opens March 1st each year. From there, people have, you know, ACUS members have time until May 1st to submit um, ACUS symposia. And through June 1st or first week of June, depending you know, on how the calendar work week falls, to submit their abstracts. Then we assign abstracts to independent reviewers, ACUS members, <clears throat> volunteers, and it's typically five reviewers per abstract and the review happens in a blinded fashion and the reviewers have around three weeks to get through the content and grade each individual abstract assigned to them after that you know the grading reports go to the program committee and program committee discusses the results and then try to balance uh, primarily using the scoring as you know the criterion, the indicator for what may go on stage and on the program, but also trying to balance the content between or among actually clinical topics or clinical categories, which range from primary hepatitis to revision to complications such as infection, complications other than infection, database studies, as well as policy studies, and some non-arthroplasty or otherwise categorized interesting research. So the process is extremely competitive. If you think that we invited 60 podium presentations for this year's annual meeting out of 2000, so this is around 3% of the top studies, you know, wow. across those clinical categories that flow to the top. So really a huge portion of work besides the extra graders falls onto the program committee and especially the program chair who take 
hours and hours of diligent work and you know doing a comprehensive review and appraising of those results and then you know selecting of the abstract so 60 are invited as podium 350 are invited as e-posters top 100 of which are invited as actual physical posters in the media symposia review is a bit different so symposia proposes are reviewed by program committee exclusively it's a bit different animal because now you have more of cutting edge or controversial topics and collections of presentations typically five per symposium including introduction and moderated Q&A session so we select eight of these and one of them is our much revered and now legendary membership practice poll which typically is presented by either Dr. Daniel Berry or Dr. Jay Lieberman. Yeah, those are always highlights for me, those membership polls. Always really interesting to see what the practice trends are and, and also both of them are so are so funny presenting those. So we always get a kick out of it. For sure. So one of the big things that changed a couple of years ago is the meeting location, obviously, switching from the Anatole to the Gaylord. Can you talk a little bit about what brought that on? I know that was the initial AUKUS meeting site, I think, but what brought the full circle back there and, and how you think it's going? You think we'll stay there for a while? Yeah, so I think we originally moved there from the Anatole just due to the sheer size of it, right? There's several hundred more rooms it's still not big enough for everybody. We have, I think, about six ancillary hotels where industry and, and other residents and so forth stay, but this helps keep everybody under one roof and allows you all to kind of stay in one place and, and uh, meet with each other in the evenings. And uh, I think it's been a, a pretty good jump. Renalyn, maybe you want to say more to that? Sure. I was just going to say, if I remember correctly, it was kind of interesting in terms of timing because when we made the very well thought out uh, decision, very difficult decision to move from the Hilton Anatole where we were for six years to the Gaylord Texan, which Dr. Burns, like you mentioned, when the hotel first opened, I think the annual meeting had a couple hundred people and it was just one ballroom for both the general session and the exhibit hall. And now we have the entire property. But when that decision was made, we were kind of bursting in the seams of the Hilton Anatole and then COVID hit. And then we went from having 4,000 people in person to, I think we had 500 in 2020. So it was at that time when we said, okay, we're, we're not going to lose our momentum. We're going to keep going. Thanks to our fearless leader, Mike Zarsky, he said, you know what? It usually takes us seven months to prepare for the annual meeting. It's going to take us seven weeks this time just because of the decision-making process. But when we made that decision to move to the Gaylord Texan, like Josh said, the most major factor would be the size, but also we wanted to stay true to our roots of being in that under one roof. We always heard from our leadership that they like being able to run into their colleagues at the hotel lobby bar and not having to jump from one hotel to another. And the Gaylord Texan having few more rooms, I would say. I'm not going to give the specific number, but more guest rooms than the, than the Hilton Anatole. But I think the other side of it is the event space itself. Not just our annual meeting is growing, but our industry participation is growing as well. Our annual meeting has started becoming almost like a national 
sales hub for our industry partners that since a lot of their national sales team is attending, a lot of their distributors or local chapters are attending, they tend to bring their entire team to our meeting. And we want to be able to provide a venue for them as well, being very loyal partners to AUKUS. And then Jeff, do you want to speak to the growth in the exhibit hall from the Anatole to the Gaylord? Sure. At the Anatole, we used every square inch of that hall that we could tuck a boot into. We were doing that and there was just great demand for more. And I think a lot of that credit for that demand goes to the visionaries at AUKUS many years ago who set up this program, the abstract submissions and the timing of all of it so that AUKUS gets the fresh science first. And that brings the docs and that brings the industry because every time we survey the industry, they're like, what's so great about this meeting? It's the perfect storm. It's the right people in the right place at the right time talking about the right stuff. And so that has just continued to grow. And we had a ton more space when we moved into the Gaylord and we have filled most of that out. We could still grow it. We may be moving the labs out into the parking lot and using the rest of that for exhibit space for multiple reasons, but that would be a way to ensure continued growth. But yeah, it's a testament to AUKUS and the leadership that the meeting is as strong as it is. And honestly, a pleasure to sell. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's a great product. It makes it an easier sell for sure. We all feel that way. You know, Jeff, one of the things that's been really interesting to watch is the initiative to provide a reduced registration fee for new companies to set up booth in the exhibit hall to try and lure them in, really get them to experience what the annual meeting's about. Can you just talk about what brought that on and how it's been going? Because I find that a really smart move on AUKUS's part. Sure. Actually, AUKUS president, Dr. Parvisi, brought that to the board a year or so ago. And what we do is for one year only, uh, we have uh, a program where a startup company can apply for one of several spots to get a 50% discount on their booth. They get the same number of badges, the same setup as everybody else, but for one year only, they get a 50% discount. The first year we had plotted in for 10 of those, and we actually ended up selling 12 of those 12. And remember that they're startups. We had four return, which is a great return because startups run out of money. They don't all make it. I'm not sure what the failure rate is, but it's pretty high. And we had the same experience this year. So it is creating new exhibitors for tomorrow. And some of these companies might be the next striker or Depew. And that's a wonderful thing. And we're able to help them out. Do you know what kind of companies it tends to be? It's just kind of an interesting, you know, space it's, to be in. It's a lot of companies that have an in at AUKUS, like somebody, a, a member is their advisor on their advisory board or things like that. And it's a lot of new science. So biologics, a lot of scientific stuff that I don't necessarily understand. But all of these all of these submissions are reviewed by the industry relations committee. And anything that looks too good to be true, they kick the tires and ask them a few questions to make sure that they're a company that we want in our hall. Awesome. It's a great initiative for sure. We're so grateful for all of those industry partners who support the resident course 
I'm not sure if this is a specific question for Jeff or or Sigida, but when does the planning start for the cadaver course? And I can't imagine how much work goes into putting that course on. Jeff, do you want to talk about it or should I start and then you'll fill in? Weren't you planning it last month for next year? (laughs) (laughs) It's It's really a team effort and Sigida and her team do the faculty management and the program management and all of that stuff. I get the vendors and then also we all kind of tag team the logistics, which there's a lot of moving pieces. And this year, Texas has some regulatory rules about lab courses and things like that. So we go through that and Mike Zarsky stepped in and handled that this year. So there's just a lot of moving pieces. It's a big job. But from the industry side, I can speak to that. It's a golden opportunity for industry. What residents learn or use, the products residents use during their residency, a lot of them will be using those throughout their entire 30, 40 year career. So get in early, get in often and make an imprint with these folks when they're choosing what's their implant of choice, that kind of stuff. It's a wonderful opportunity for industry. Sagita, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the faculty and the program side? Sure. And, you know, to mention the, the planning and sort of the timeline, I think a good comprehensive response for anything annual meeting related, including the special courses, <laughs> which includes the resident course and the cadaver lab and cement lab, is that we start the planning before the meeting is over, before the current meeting is over that weekend in Dallas. So we literally gather for a debrief session on a Sunday morning at six o'clock. And we start going over the feedback and what's going well and not and what we need to start improving. And, you know, we take a Monday off after we get back to Chicago that Sunday. And literally Tuesday, we get to wrap up and we get to planning stages and, and sort of kicking things into gear for the next year and next cycle. It, generally about the resident course, I'd say this is a huge success for the organization and, and huge input, I think, to raising the next generation of the arthroplasty surgeons. This is a waitlisted course, which has not seen popularity and it started smaller, less than 100 people, and then eventually we grew it to 140. And this year, I believe we had a total of 150 resident participants. It is very dense and didactics, and of course, you know, everybody loves, loves the hands-on portion. It's a lot of faculty we pair. We have 20 stations. We pair junior, senior faculty that will then teach a group of residents per station. I think it's one of those efforts where both faculty and participants draw a lot of joy. The faculty that we have at AUKUS is, is top-notch, not only in their expertise, but also in their engagement and enthusiasm and true passion for science and for teaching. I was paired with Dave Llewellyn this year. I think I probably asked more questions than any of the uh, residents did. (laughs) But you guys have both done faculty for those courses. Don't the residents, they look like they're at a day at Disneyland. I mean, they just look like they're having a great time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they all love it. And it's just such a good experience. And you get to interact with faculty from across the country that they probably wouldn't get to otherwise meet or hear from, which is really huge. I've also, you know, heard a lot of really amazing stories where residents connected with the faculty at that lab course, and then they developed a relationship that has lasted for for years. And they'll 
come back, they'll do a fellowship with them or they'll continue to mentor them. So, you know, I think it's, it's an amazing course and I'm always struck by how many like high level expert faculty come out and give their time for it. It's, you know, I, I just can't think of anywhere else that I've seen that done in orthopedics at any orthopedic meeting. So kudos to all of you for putting on such an amazing resident course. Pivoting our questions a little bit, Renalyn, it seems like a lot of work to organize and coordinate and put all these different sessions into different rooms and a lot of different requests from industry partners and from different people. How do you start with that? Do you have a team that helps you? And then any kind of horror stories where the allotted room was too big or didn't fit and get complaints? And how do you kind of deal with that on the fly? Oh, you know, it's all in a day's work, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's, I would say we are a small staff of 11 full-time employees at AUKUS, but we do work with an army of third-party service providers, vendors, consultants, and they all work behind the scenes, but there's they're all the moving pieces that make our annual meeting such a great success. Speaking of partners, one organization that I do want to point out is the Gaylord Texan. They're not just a, a host or a venue, but they're a great partner because I was thinking about it when we, we were talking about the labs earlier, they're a major component in making sure that it goes smoothly because they provide a lot of logistical assistance too. So part of the fun is it's like one big party, right? All the moving pieces, you coordinate everything that's happening all at once because in previous years, Thursday is kind of when everyone arrives and ease into the day before everything kicks off on Friday morning. But this year, what we noticed is people are arriving Wednesday. Thursday became the major rush of attendees arriving and picking up their badges. And then Friday actually kind of started slowing down, which is crazy because that's when we have all the special courses all happening at the same time, all the industry symposia, and then we kick off the general session. So kind of going back to the planning, a major factor that helps, I think, from my perspective is we do at least one to two site visits, even though we have been at the property, for example, the Hilton Anatole, we were there for six consecutive years. We had to do a site visit every single year because for some reason, something was changing every single time. And same thing with the Gaylord Texan. We had our first annual meeting there last year and we said, oh, everything went really well. I think, you know, we just plop everything back into place this last year and kind of use it as a template for this year. And of course we go on site and we scrapped everything and we moved everything around, which I think benefited our attendees because now our second year, they're more familiar with the property. No one was getting lost as much. Unlike the first year, no one was complaining as much about how far of a walk it was from convention center to the vineyard tower, which is, I think we timed it about a seven minute walk. But now people don't really feel it because they're chatting with colleagues and running into peers. So that's a win for us. But all those moving pieces, believe it or not, we stick to the basics and we have a spreadsheet. I'm kind of giving away our very high profile (laughs) trade secret here, but. Renal, I don't know if we have a spreadsheet. We have like. A hundred spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, right? Yeah. It's like a spreadsheet within a spreadsheet. It's it's an inception of spreadsheets, which is my favorite thing. Exactly. But it's and, just double checking and triple. I'm sorry, Jeff, did you want to say something? And I mean, the other thing that weighs on top of this is 
you all come up with great new ideas for new events and new improvements every year. And I'm sure that it's come back to you when you said, hey, could we do an event like then Josh or someone else will say, okay, where are we going to put it? Because you don't want to stretch the meeting another day. (laughs) We don't? And I mean, it's successful the way it is. I don't think so. But it's like, trying to make everything fit because they're all good ideas. That's mm-hmm. kind of the fun part, but it's also a challenging part. Yeah, well, it, it is. It is a bit of art and science. And it's it a is, bit yeah. of jazz and a bit of secret uh, thrill-seeking. So <laughs> we're, we're on a high when we're planning all these things. But I'm glad you mentioned the events, Jeff, because every time we get new ideas, the last thing we would say is no. We would always say, let us get back to you on that. Yeah, it's always let's try and find a spot for it. And then, you know, if we can't, we can't. But most of the time we're able to find something that will work. Right. It's always like, well, no, but how about this? And the last thing I want to say about that is I thank my OCD, which is a blessing and a curse because everyone knows I tend to repeat myself. I over communicate. I have my lists on lists on lists and we would have these sit-down meetings with the entire staff and just say, okay, Kenneth, you have on the website, we have Amy on the mobile app, and we're going through every single minute of the annual meeting from the second that we land that Tuesday up until we get on the, on the flight back to Chicago that Sunday afternoon. So it's a lot of coordination, but I think it's also just being on the same level of being detail-oriented. Everyone doesn't have to know what everything is, but everyone is responsible for their own sections and and areas. And we're just all at the same level of having that detail down to the very minute. Sounds like you would do a good job in the operating room. To be yeah, honest. I was just going to say, you sound like you make a good surgeon. And maybe in my next life. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys have a bad day, it's a really bad day. I don't think I, I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. Josh, you seem to be everywhere all at once at the annual meeting. I wonder if you could tell us what your favorite aspect of the meeting is. And the second question is, at what point, if at all, do you get to exhale and relax? Is that on the flight back on Sunday evening? Or is there a time in the meeting where you can let your hair down a little bit? Well, yeah, as soon as the YAG uh, reception uh, kicks off, that's that's the time to relax briefly before we start again the next morning. But yeah, I, I think the best thing about that meeting is just seeing everybody there and, you know, getting everybody sort of in one big room and, and seeing what happens. I mean, it's really great to see the the fruits of everyone's labor all year long from the volunteers to the staff all coming together. And as Renalyn was talking about, you know, we're expanding Thursday. We now have two YAG events. We have our international reception. We have we uh, and DAB events, it's, it's just uh, grown a lot in the eight or so years, eight and a half years that I've been here. And it's amazing to see. And I think it's just really nice to see everybody experience the meeting and seeing it pay off. So yeah, the, the next relaxing time is on the way home and starting in on Tuesday, I guess. Awesome. And then just final question before we wrap up, the COVID pandemic was tough on a lot of organizations. A lot of people got set back or got reduced in size and AUKUS seemed to have gone through full force. Can you just talk about how you made it such a success, how AUKUS has been able to kind of keep moving forward, even through tough times for a lot of other organizations? 
I was just going to say, and I may be repeating myself, but yeah, Dr. Bernstein, I'm glad you brought that up because 2020 feels like such a long time ago, but it's really just been three years ago. And I think the reason that AUKUS didn't lose momentum is when we had the amazing leadership. And I know we had many discussions about whether or not the AUKUS annual meeting was moving forward. And I think the decision that we set a deadline of a go or no go. And at that point, and I know this is not just for myself because I've spoke with the other staff about this. We got to a point where we said, okay, green light, we're going to have the meeting in person at the Hilton Anatole in November of 2020. And at that point, we said, you know what? Even if 50 people show up, we're still going to put on the meeting the best way we can. At that point, it wasn't a matter of are we going to do it or not? It's how do we best serve the attendees both in person and virtual? And what's even crazier to me was at that point, we haven't been in the office for nine months, I believe. We were all working from from home. My home office was being renovated. So I was working out of my dining room. My, my daughter was in the living room for homeschool. And we were all just really thinking about, okay, if we can't be in person, how do we make it still valuable for virtual attendees? How do we make it seem like they're there? Even though we had the ballroom that's typically set up for 2,000 people, set up for 500 that were quite literally six feet apart because you had to measure it. How do we make it seem like such a seamless experience and make it seem like they were there? So that's that's when we first had our, our virtual meeting option. And I don't know if you all remember, but that was actually our 30th August annual meeting. So it was a milestone <laughs> event for us. And it just so happened to be in 2020. And I think once we actually survive, I don't know how, I think I'm still living through my PTSD at this point. 2021 felt like such a breeze for us when the rest of the world was kind of catching up because they either canceled or went 100% virtual. We were just like, oh, we put on a mask, you know, we just elbow bump. And I think we had 3,000 people um, on site, plus the rest were virtual. And even the folks at home were saying how they didn't really miss a beat in terms of the general session presentations, making it seem like with the mobile app that they were there, they were able to ask questions. We had a virtual moderator fielding the questions and they were being addressed as though they were in the room. So I think just being able to put that show in person, this was pre-vaccine. And I remember driving from Chicago because I didn't feel comfortable getting on a plane. That was a whole experience. And I think every year since then, it's I wouldn't say it's getting easier and easier, but the challenges seem a little bit smaller after having gone through that. And I'll stop right there. Yeah, Fernalyn, I was going to piggyback on the word show. And I think there is a, a show element to our meeting anytime and every time because it's a huge live event. And it's set up pretty much like a live TV show. You know, with recording, with a live stream. And I think that year was an ultimate. And once again, I got to say, you know, thank you to our amazing partners and our production team, PRA, who had, well, first of all, they have incredible talent, but also experience and tools were for that pandemic year when we decided to do the combined hybrid live and a live streamed, you know, virtual event as 
we were able to seamlessly pipe in people through Zoom on the screen virtually live from their homes, you know, for symposia discussions and stuff like that. And it really was sort of the ultimate try of technology and what's possible. So I think it was a huge challenge, but also a huge opportunity that sort of it showed what's possible. And yeah, that showed, you really felt like you were at a live TV show, you know, in the studio that's being recorded with, you know, people being piped in through video calls and that, and it, it, it truly was a seamless experience. Yeah, for sure. I attended virtually that year, and I thought it was amazing. Well, thank you to all of you for being with us today. We really appreciate everything that you do for the organization and really just keeping us all together. For more information on the Young Arthroplasty Group and information on how to join, please go to the Aquas website, www.aahks.org and follow us on Twitter at AUKUS underscore YAG and we hope the Augment always fits your defect. Thank you for joining us for the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery. 